morning. Y'all miss me? Y'all need to be more like the middle. If y'all ain't like the middle, y'all need to be more like the middle over here. I missed y'all too. Um, I tell you, it was, uh, it was an exciting trip that, I, that God allowed me to take. And uh, some people think I was just going hunting, and uh, God had bigger plans for that. Um, but it, uh, we'll talk more about that later. But um, I'm proud to be here with you guys today. I, mean, I missed you guys. I missed being here. And um, the uh, series we've been going through is called Faith and Fear. This is the last um, last uh, sermon of the series. We're going to try to finish that up today. Um, and, and the whole reason we chose, felt like God was leading us to, to do this series is because so many of us are just captivated, captivated by our fear. We won't, uh, we won't allow God to, to move in our life because we're scared of taking the next step. And as we've been reading through uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're talking about David and Goliath and talking about how we should overcome obstacles in our life and not remain just captivated by our fear. We should be taking those next steps. Amen? Boy, I'm proud y'all didn't forget that. That's good stuff. We should be keep taking our next steps. We should constantly be moving forward and not being grounded by our fear. And you know, I've been preaching that and I've been preaching that, but I need a confession to make for you. There's been some areas in my life I ain't been living that. And it took 27 hours of traveling on an airplane ride for me to realize when I touched down in Argentina, there were some things in my life that I had to deal with. There was a lot of fear in my life over the past two years that had been built up that I had to, God had a purpose in me going for I could overcome that fear. You know, when we read, I'm going, I'm going to read the story of David and Goliath because we've been, y'all have had it read to you several times. I listened to Dallas's message and he read the whole thing again. So we, we're going to wing, I ain't going to read it to you. But we're going to go over right quick just the story. See, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was in a pasture all by himself and while his brothers were at a banquet. The greater prophet Samuel was there trying to anoint the new king. David was left out. There's a lot of us in here that feel left out. There's a lot of us in here that feel unappreciated. There's a lot of us in here that feel like we don't matter, that people have greater, um, people have, other people have a greater call in their life than we do. And David was out there feeling left out, but God had a greater plan. Amen? Amen. God called on, uh, he told Jesse, David's daddy, he said, go and get the one that remains. And he brings David in, and when David comes in, God revealed to Samuel that David was going to be the next king. And so he anointed David king. In that moment, David, he wasn't king all of a sudden, but it was a calling on David's life. David didn't run out and say, hey, I'm king right now. Step down, Saul. It's my turn to show out. He didn't say any of that. He just waited for God to reveal it. See, there's a lot of us, we got to be patient. Amen. We got, we got to be patient for God to show us when's the right time to move. But we got to be faithful enough to take that move. And as, as, as David began to, uh, to just continue to live that, life, that, that, that out in his life, he went to the battlefield. And when he goes to that battlefield where the Philistines and the Israelites were, were at war against one another, as they were sitting there, he shows up and the Israelites had been for 40 days being in turmoil because the Philistines were coming against them. 
This giant called Goliath was sitting there constantly defaming the name of the Lord. He was constantly coming against him. He was constantly being a discouragement, a voice of discouragement. He was constantly just, just penetrating the hearts of those Israelites, and they couldn't move because they were pen- that fear had penetrated their heart, and they had lost faith in what they were there to do. I can identify with the Israelites. It's so easy to lose focus on what our purpose is. Amen? It's so easy to lose focus on what matters the most, especially what God's given you to do. And that's why vision is so important. That's why God gives you, if God's called you to a great task, he's going to give you a God-given vision. So you, when things get hard, you always look at that call in your life. To always look at that purpose in your life. So that when things get bad and you want to quit, you can't quit because you know there's purpose. Amen? And God put that purpose and that vision in David's life. And he knew that it was, there was no mountain too high, there was no mountain too big, and he went on and he defeated Goliath. So the Israelites were sitting there and they forgot, just like a lot of us do, the promises of God. They forgot that God had promised them victory if they would just be bold and take that step. But they seen that giant always coming and, and shouting discouraging words to them, and they decided to just, hey, I'm going I'm to stay right here. I'm not even going to try that. How many of us have been playing it safe? Not, not, not being challenged to take that next step. Some of you have never really taken that first step of salvation because you're worried about what everybody's going to say. Amen. Some of you won't take that next step of joining this church and being heart and soul with us in the mission God's given us because you're worried about what the community is going to think about you. God's called us to take our next step regardless of what anybody thinks. Amen? And as we go through this today, I mean, I just want to tell you, look, it's easy to listen to the voices outside. Israelites were listening to the voices outside. It's easy to listen to the voices outside and it will overpower, if you're not careful, the voice that should be inside. I can identify with the Israelites. How about you? You know, and over the past two years, I'm gonna try to get through this without crying. Y'all pray for me? Y'all think I can do it? No. <laughs> I tell you, it's been a trying time and I'm not gonna make this about me, but God really laid this in my heart and I was trying I've been fighting him all week about sharing this, and he's been constantly telling me to do it, so I'm going to do it. When we got ready to plant this church, it was the biggest step I've ever had to make in my life. It was the scariest point in my life ever. I'd only been ordained as a pastor for about three months, and God all of a sudden was telling me he wanted me to plant a church. Didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even know what being a pastor was about. He's going to call me to plant a church. You're talking about being like Moses. I was like Moses. God, I can't do this. You need to call somebody else. I even said, just let Dallas do it. He wouldn't do that. It was constant, and that call was on my life. But what invoked the call in my life was broken people. I looked out, and I seen people broken. I seen people that, that were claiming to know Jesus, but they weren't living it out. I seen people that were marred by religion and not a relationship with Christ, and, and it began to just eat me up. And it's like, God, why, is, why are people not in our church? Why, why are people not coming to church? What's going on? And God just kept stirring in me. Jeremy, and when he told me to plant a church, I, was, I didn't know. It's like, God, there's enough churches. How many times have I heard that since we planted this church? But anyway, he, he said, I said, God, there's enough churches. And he said, I don't care what you think. Do it. So I took that step. And it was a scary step. 
And when I took that step, I think I was naive, thinking, all right, my God's big. My God made the earth in seven days. We're finna go in here, and we're finna just wreak havoc. Amen? Amen. People are going to get saved. People are going to get right. It's going to be just like a great revival. They're going to write about this one day. And when we started, opposition hit. Small town gossip hit. I didn't know the extreme to that until one day I was inviting a friend of mine to church and we were talking back and forth and he says, uh, I said, man, why don't you come to church? He said, man, I can't come to church. Would you? I was like, why? He said, cause they told me to come to your church. I got to bring my bank statements and you got to prove if I can come or not. I was like, well, I couldn't come either. <laughs> got to laughing about it, cutting up about it, but it broke my heart in a way of how gossip can keep people from coming to relationship with Jesus. People misconstruing things that we say and saying that we think we're better than everybody. No, I'm not saying God's called us to do that we're doing the right thing. We're doing what God's called us to do. When I say we're going called to do something different, I'm saying that we're called to do something different. And if that offends you, then you need to check you. Don't, don't, don't come at me like that. And, and, and all this opposition, all this gossip, all this stuff began to just weigh on me. I began to think, this, ain't, this, this, is, this isn't supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be easy, right? God, this is supposed to, this is supposed to be easy. I began to, to hear people that, that knew me from when I was a child, that praised me, that hugged me at my ordination, that was like, we're so proud of you, and won't even speak to me at the cafe when I'm eating lunch. It's like, God, what is this? Am I doing something so wrong that... that even people that are all your people are, are opposing me. What's going on, God? And that doubt, that discouragement began to constantly stream in my mind. And Satan began to tell me to quit. Satan began to tell me to stop. Satan began to say, you know what, it ain't what you thought it was going to look like, so you might as well quit. And I had a good friend of mine sit me down and say, Jeremy, you got to stop looking at all the stuff that you think is going wrong. You got to look at the little things that's been going right. And then God let me, allowed me to go on this trip to Argentina. I wasn't going to go. My wife said, you need to go. And I began to go on this trip to Argentina, just praying that God was going to speak to me on the way. And as I was riding... We get on an airplane. I get on an airplane to Orlando. We fly to Orlando into Peru. Into Peru, we go into Chile. And in the way, on the way to Santiago, Chile, I finally got to sit by the window. Granted, this is the only time I've been in an airplane except for one time me and my wife jumped out of one. So I'd only been in one for about 14 minutes. And now I've been in one for five and a half, five and a half, six hours. I look out the window, and I've been praying. I was reading a book, and looking out the window, God just laid this on my heart. Romans 10, verse 10, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who called him for Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this next verse was like he was screaming it in a megaphone in my ear. How then 
can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And as I looked over Santiago, Chile, I was 28,000 feet, and there was houses as far as I could see. And God laid that on my heart. And I was like, God, what does that mean? Thinking about people down there that were just marred by religion, don't know what spiritual state they were in. I was thinking, God, is there anybody there that's preaching the gospel? And then my mind came back to Millen. Then my mind came back to here. And God says, he who began a good work will see it to completion. see, what I had done, I had forgot the vision God gave me. I had forgotten all that time of praying and preparation, all that time when I went praying for God to give me confirmation. He gave me confirmation after confirmation of what to do, but I allowed discouragement to make me almost want to quit, made me almost want to stop, made me almost want to just give up because of all this junk in my ear. Anybody been there? They'll look at me like I'm all by myself out here on this island. Y'all crying. Y'all got to help me out up here, all right? The thing is, we always come to a point in our lives where we got to choose what we're going to put on the altar. Are we going to choose, are we going to put God's vision on the altar or are we going to put people's approval on the altar? And I came to that point of what what am I going to choose? And God laid on my heart, choose, whatever you choose is is the direction you're going to head. And I'm telling you, it's from me and my family. We're going to serve the Lord, amen? And I choose to put people's approval on the altar. And at that moment, God gave me, God gave me the, God gave me the ability to just, so much peace. And I was able to hunt all week and, and in communion with God all week because I, for months there was a division there. You know why? Because there was a division in my heart. So I put people's approval on the altar. You know, Moses, they were leading Israel. He was leading Israel through the promised land and they spent 40, he was leading them to the promised land, but he, they spent 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because the people of Israel didn't want to follow. Because they were like, this don't look like you promised to begin with. It's got, it's, this is, we're supposed to already be there by now. But God was trying to break down the hardness of heart. And I know some of us think that we should be somewhere a lot different than where we are right now, but let me tell you, we're right where God wants us to be. We're doing right what God wants us to do. And the thing was, I don't want him to ever get away from what God called us to do to begin with. Amen. So what did God call us to do? The moment that, that, that I called Dallas and I told Dallas what God laid on my heart, I wrote it down and it's in my journal and here's what, here's, here's what we're about. And this is one of them Sundays where you can get on or you can get off. If you can get on board and we can ride this bus together or you can get off and you can go to another, get on another bus. And I mean that with humility and, and honesty because we're here to serve the Lord and we're here to be God's people, amen? Amen. But our mission is this. Number one is that we're going to reach those far from God. Number two is we're going to love those that no one else wanted. That's the two things God laid on my heart strong. And the last thing was that we're going to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. 
And all that sounds easy when you write it on paper. Because I know when I wrote it down, I was like, that's solid right there. That's good right there. But when you, look, when you got it on paper and all looks good, but when you start applying, that's when it gets difficult. Because we've all grown up where church is nice and neat and you just go there on Sundays and it's easy. But then when you start getting in the lives of other people, things get a little sticky, don't it? Things get a little messy. You start, you start really seeing who they are and the inconsistencies and you have a chance to either love them or reject them. And God's called us to love, amen? amen. And all that sounds easy. But see, you got to get in the trenches with people. You got to be willing to get your hands dirty and grab a hold of people. See, God's called us to get a hold of people that are stuck in the world and they're, they're, they're in the muck, in the mud of the world. And he's called us to reach down and be vessels to grab people and pull them out of the pits of hell. Each of us, not just me up here preaching, each one of you sitting on the bench up here this morning, he's called you to reach down and be pulling people out. You don't do that by standing there on the hill saying, come on, try harder. Come on, pray harder. No, you get down there and say, let me pray with you, brother. Come on, let me help you out of this together. I've never, ever prayed with somebody or gotten somebody's life to where I didn't get a little bit of dirt on, on me myself. And it's the dirt of people's approval most of us get, and we're worried about that. But God's called us, if we're going to be that people, then that's what we got to do. How, so how are we going to reach people that are far from God? How do you do that? How do you put, how do you bite, put that in bite-sized pieces? How, do, how are we going to do that? Number one, by being open and loving the people. Showing them that there is a better way. Showing them there's a better way. You can, if I tell you I love you, I care about you, and, and, and here's, the, here's the direction that you're headed, and here's the direction that God wants you to be, you're way better going to be like, you know what, brother, you're right, instead of saying, sinner. Look down my hypocritical nose at you and say you need to change instead of getting down there and walking with you. God's called us to love people. Amen. Amen? God's called us to walk with people. And by walking alongside of people that are struggling, we're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to do life with people. That's what he's called us to do. And, but the last, last thing is the most important thing that hardly any people, anybody does anymore, and that's pray. Amen. He's called us to, do, he calls to be a people of prayer. We're not going to be able to reach people and love people the way God's called us to love people if we're not praying for those people. Amen? We're not going to make a change unless we're praying for, for a change. We're not going to be able to do anything unless we're praying for God to change us. A lot of times we're just doing things and expecting God to bless it when we haven't even talked to him. Amen? God's called us to be a people that love people that are far from God. See, and, and the reason it's so important, the love thing, is because there's so many people that have been jaded by the church in the past. Majority of people that we minister to, not just in Jenkins. This church ain't about Jenkins County, by the way. It's about every other county around us. It's about middle Georgia. It's about south Georgia. If people want to come to our church from Florida, come on. You know what I'm saying? I want whoever that wants to be tied into a tight, close relationship with Jesus. But the thing is, most people in our community have heard about Jesus. Most people in our community and most people you know that don't go to church, they don't go to church for a reason. You know why? Probably church people. Because they've been jaded by legalism and they've been shunned by people. When, when in reality, they've been shunned by the people that have higher expectations than even God has on the person's life. Amen. And what God's called us to be people that are loving people, but also just want to walk with people. 
I understand having great intentions. I understand loving and wanting to stand for the truth and want people to live right. I understand that, but we've got to share that truth with some grace. Amen? We've got to walk with people on it. Understand, they're not going to get it like that. They're not going to change like that. You didn't change like that. I didn't change like that. Why should we put those things on other people? God's called us to walk with people humbly. Amen? That's what he did. That's the way that we love people. We got to strive to, to walk in that, in that middle ground between truth and grace. Not being so graceful that we say everything's okay because everything's not. Stand on, the, stand on the word of God and give him grace where we need to. Something we all have to realize that we can't be the Holy Spirit. People can't, we can't expect people to, to live off our expectations, off our convictions. If I think something's wrong and you don't, and it's biblical, I need to pray that God will open your eyes, not condemn you. Amen. And when we're known for a loving church, we'll be known as a growing church. Amen. Churches that don't grow, churches that don't love. And God's called us to be a people that love people where they are and not, and not okay with where they are, but love people where they are and walk to where they go. And you know what happens in that? Is you're going to get slandered by people that don't understand that. You won't get slandered by people that are legalists. You know what, though? We, my connect group just we went, read through uh, Jude, chapter, Jude, not chapter 10, but Jude. And in verse 10, it says people slander what they don't understand. And that's the truth. If you're being slandered and you're walking in God's will, you just need to, you need to pray for the people that are slandering you. And I'm telling you, that's hard to do. But, Lord, he's brought me through that. But we've got to be able to pray for those people. God's called us to be that. That's how we are people that reach those far from God. We've got to love them. We've got to love those that no one else wants. And when I wrote that down, I didn't know what that meant. You know who most, most people don't want around them? Anybody that's a different color? Anybody that's caught up in a, in a, in a mixed relationship in, in the South? Anybody that's of a different belief? They don't want around them because they want to be surrounded by people that are like them. And God didn't call us to be that way, did he? We got to love those different than us. He's called us to be a church that looks like heaven. We got to be that. And that's got to be intentional with how we do. And the reality of that is we're not going to be that until your life looks like somebody that is around people that are in heaven. And that's not going to change unless we are intentional with loving those that no one else wants. How do we do that? We got to meet them where they are. We got to meet people where they are. Right in the middle of the mess and the junk, we got to meet them right where they are. And we got to walk with them out of it. No matter if you, when they, when they, the moment they want to know Jesus, I have walked with a many a person the past two years that have turned a lot of my hair and my head gray. So if you're here today, congratulations. Some of these have your name on them. And it's aggravating some days to walk with people that seem like they don't get it. But you know what? God's telling them, God told me, don't give up because I didn't give up on you when you didn't get it. And we got to walk with people through that that, are, that, that that feel like nobody else wants them. Because when you walk with people and you constantly show, show them the grace, constantly show them the love, you know what I've learned is they finally get it. But they wouldn't get it if we were being judgmental and saying, you know what, get out of here. I ain't got time for that. God's called us to be people that love people that no one else loves. And that's the thing. We've got to go and show them. 
We got to go and show them. People that don't feel loved and feel appreciated, guess what? They're not coming to the door. They're not coming to the church because they feel like we don't want nothing to do with them. We've got to go to them. We've got to go to them. We've got to show them how much we love them, how much Jesus cares for them. We've got to show them that love. And that's the hardest thing for most Christians to understand is how to love people and not condone where they are. There's a way to do that. And if that's the growth area that you need, then come, let's talk about it. Don't just sit there and say, well, that's how I am. No, we need to grow. See, God's called us to be that way. See, it's hard for me to... Sometimes it's hard for me to communicate on what's on my heart sometimes and the biggest thing is that what I've realized that people that are in relationships and they feel like that if they come to a church, they're going to be rejected, they're going to be put down, they're going to be pushed away because it didn't fit in our nice, neat box. We need to start putting people's lives with this in mind instead of our intentions in mind. We need to put people's lives in this in mind instead of what we want in mind. I want people to get it yesterday. And I apologize because there's been a lot of Sundays I've preached out of anger because I didn't feel like people got it. But my passion is for you guys to know Jesus on a real level, that you're walking with him every single day, that it's not just a Sunday morning religion, but it's a Monday morning reality, that you're walking with him every single day. But we've got to reach out to people that are far from God. We've got to go to those that, that don't feel like they, we love them. And for our community, if I was in, if I was in an African-American church, I would say the white community don't feel like you love them. And, if I'm in, and now I'm in a church that, is, that we got, we've got some color in here, and I'm proud for it. Thank you for coming. But that's the thing, is that we've got to show our black community that we love them. Amen? Amen. We've, got to show, we've got to show our Hispanic community that we love them. We've got to show people of every race and every background that we love them and care about them. And I heard, heard a pastor tell me, nothing tells me that, I, that you love me more than when you'll come to my house and come eat with me. And he was talking about when I come and worship with him. If we're going to be the church that makes a difference, if we're going to be a church that God's called us to be, then we've got to go to those that no one else seems to love. We've got to get in the lives of those that are, their stuff is jacked up. God's called us to go to those that are addicted, those that are bound. God's called us to go to those people. But a lot of us don't want to go to those people because you know what? Those people take advantage of you. But God's called us to go to those that take advantage of us. God's called us to go to those that we know that we may give them money and they're, and, and they, they're not going to appreciate it one bit. But you know what? God's called us to do that to show them the love of Christ. How many times did Jesus do stuff for people that didn't, that didn't appreciate it? Y'all with me? I noticed some deep and hard stuff this morning. But the reality is this is who we should be. Not people that are looking down our nose, but people that are walking. If we're holding Jesus' hand, guess what? We're going to reach out and try to hold somebody else's. But if we're trying to walk this thing along the way we want to, then we're going to walk like a lone wolf, solitary, and solitude and expect everybody to be the way we want them to be. And the last thing is that we're supposed to reach those, reaching people that are, reaching them ain't enough. 
Reaching them is the, is the first step. Amen. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Y'all where I'm at? The next step is that we have to connect them to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest passion that I have. I, I love preaching, but my biggest thing is, is walking with people and, and showing them that just going to church ain't enough. It's about growing. It's about knowing the God you, you claim to serve. And the more you know God, the more you're going to turn from sin. See, we've got to be those people that are just, con, we're just consumed by trying to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And that's where a lot of us get hung up at. Because when you're trying to grow with people, when you're trying to, to, to disciple people, some people say they want it, but they don't. Amen. And you know what you need to do? You need to just keep praying and keep throwing it out there. Keep throwing it out there. I remember there was a time in which I said I wanted it, but I didn't. I said I wanted it, but yet I was still had too much of this world pulling back on me. I had to get to the place where I had somebody come in my life that loved me enough to say, you know what, Jeremy? I see you keep going back and forth, back and forth, and you need to make a decision. He didn't turn his back on me because I was doing that. He loved me through it. He constantly prayed for me through it. And I had conviction. And, I, and because of him, I walked away from it. But if I had not had him in my life, if I would have had him constantly pointing at me, then I would have never done that. See, God's called us to be different in this way. See, and one of the things, too, I want you to remember is that Walking with people. We got to remember that when we're walking with people, when you're teaching people to walk with God, it takes repetition. Amen? Amen. Everybody don't get it on the first time or the tenth time. Huh? Some of us are slow learners in here. Can I get a witness? All of us. All right. We in this thing together. All right. Some people are slow learners. We got to, you got to, through repetition, you got to keep walking with them, keep, keep putting the vision in front of them, keep putting, this is what God saved you from. This is what God's called you to be. This is how you're supposed to live and constantly giving it to them. But also, it takes, it takes patience and it takes determination. I remember when I was a kid, riding a bicycle was the hardest thing ever. And those of you that know my track record, riding on two wheels has been horrible for me. Shut up, Dallas. <laughs> but the thing is, when I was riding the bicycle, I was determined I was going to ride that bike. All my cousins could ride. I couldn't ride. One Saturday, one Saturday afternoon, it was it. And if you know me, when I get my mind made up, it's, it's, it's hammer time. So I got on the bike and I said, Daddy, push me. And Daddy pushed me. We lived in town. It was a long downhill little, little uh, drive. We lived in a single wide trailer. It was metal and it had metal underpinning. All right, just picture that in your mind. Prepare yourself. As he pushed me, I'd get a little further, and I'd fall over, and I'd finally, I mean, I'm hours. It was two hours long of this. My daddy was not, he's not a patient man. Just quit, son. This is it. This, I'm done with this. You're going to hurt yourself? Just quit. No, daddy, push me one more time. Push me one more time. And he quit pushing me. He was mad, and he went back in there, and he sat in the shade. I get on the bicycle. I go running down the hill. I jump on it, and I'm going. I'm riding this bicycle, but I, you know what? Nobody taught me how to steer the bicycle. And I'm barreling as fast as I can go straight toward that trailer. And bam, I hit it. Go under the underpinning. Mama was inside washing clothes. She thought a car had hit the house. She came in there, and she, she freaked out. And I, Daddy, Daddy got me out. And he's like, that's enough. I said, no, Daddy, push me one more time. 
And the last time he pushed me, I finally got it, and I began to ride the bicycle. I would have never rode that bike if Daddy would have quit on me the first time or the second time or the third time. I never would have been able to ride that bike if Daddy hadn't, you know what, he got aggravated with me, but he backed up and he pushed me one more time. There's some people in your life you need to give one more chance to. There's some people in your life that you need to say, you know what, let me back up and let's do this one more time. And then when they fail, you know, you say, well, let's do this one more time. Because nobody learns unless we show them. What did he say? What did he say? How can, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sinned? So as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. Church, God's called us to be the people that are walking and are the feet of good news. To those around us, to those at work, we can't never lose sight of what's most important. That's Jesus. Amen. And in the moment that our preferences override God's plan, we got to put our preferences aside and say, God, you're greater. Amen. And as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for Connection Millen, we're going to reach people far from God. We're going to love those that no one else wants. And we're going to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do that until God calls me home and he has, somebody has to pry my Bible out of my dead hands or until he tells me to go somewhere else and do the same thing. But God's called us to have grit, people. God's called us to have determination. God's called us to look at Satan and say, shut up, you liar, and get behind me. Because for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the only way we're going to advance is we got to advance together. Amen. We got to say, this is who we are. This is what we're about. Let the gossip be what the gossip is. Let the fruit of your ministry, let the fruit of your life shut the mouth of liars. And never give up because God never gave up on you. Never give up on that person in your life that seems not to get it. Because right there, in the, right there when you think that all else is lost, right when you think that they're never going to listen, right when you think that, yep, Satan's got them. That's when they'll turn. If you're praying, if you're seeking, if you're looking, truly loving that person. To say somebody's too far from God is a limit, is to say that you don't believe how powerful God is. Some of you in this room right now need to take a step. And that step is repentance, to repent from your legalism, to repent from your hard heart. And some of you need to really take that step of salvation this morning. 
You've been playing this religious game for so long. You've been walking in and out of church. There's no real change in your heart. You don't really know what it means to love anybody because you've never allowed God to love you. You need to surrender that to him today. If you're here today and you've never really felt that that life-changing, life-altering change where Jesus Christ comes in your heart and changes you, changes your motives, changes your direction, if you've never been in that point, if that's never happened to you, I don't care if you've been to church your whole life, that's never happened. I just want to challenge you to raise your hand so we can celebrate that. Amen. Amen. Amen, sister. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 The prayer team will come. Grab these ladies and this man. We just want to pray with you and encourage you and show you how to take your next step. And that's awesome. Let's let's praise God one more time for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Don't stop. Lord, don't stop. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we praise you right now. You are so awesome, God. You're so good. I'm telling you, God's got great plans. Often someone told me that the mountain which God wants to use you is also equated to the amount of hell you're walking through. So y'all better hang on. I don't know what God's got in plans. I know it's going to be good. But the thing all of us need to ask is, where do you fit in in this plan? What's your next step in there? Is it surrendering your expectations of other people? Is it surrendering a hardness of heart? Is it it going to God saying, Lord, help me forgive people that's hurt me so I can walk on? Is it saying, God, Help me love people the way you love me. Maybe that's what you need to do today. But let's be real. Let's, put, let's sacrifice what other people think on the altar today, amen? I don't, I don't want to worry about what nobody else thinks of me, but I want to worry about what God thinks of me. And I want if that means I got to come down to the altar every single day for the rest of my life and let people think how worse of a sinner I am, then by God, I'm going, Amen? We need to be that people that are only worried about what God thinks instead of what anybody else thinks. And the reality is this thing is what you make of it. God's got his hands open like this right here. And all you gotta do is receive it. And some of you just want a little hug. Some of you want a pat on the back. I want a big bear hug from God every day when I get up. So what do you want? What do you need to give him? What do you need to set free? What do you need to get rid of this morning so that you can follow God to the magnitude in which he's called you to? What's going to make you love people that are unlovable? What's going to give you the desire to reach those nobody else wants in reality that you don't even want right now? What's going to give you the desire to want to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus? What is the barrier in your life? What's the wall that's up right now? Because it needs to come down. And this ain't about this church. This is about you. I want you to have the opportunity to feel the presence of God in your life every day. 
I want you to experience Jesus every morning when you get out of bed. I want you to walk and talk with him like he's your friend every day. Not just this person that you come to church and you may raise your hand, you may sing about, but you don't really know him. I want you to know Jesus. What's it going to take for you to truly know Jesus today? If you will, stand with me. Drew's going to sing one more song. I just want to open it up and I want to open this altar up. And I want you to pray. If you need special prayer, I'll be up here. When I start praying, if God's moving your heart, you start moving. The most important thing is that we do business with God. Amen? So we ain't going to worry about what people think, are we? Amen? All right. Let's do this thing. Lord God, we pray right now and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to God enlighten us to the fears in which we have. God show us the things that need to go. God, help us be your people. God, help us not be the shallow Christians in which most people are. God, help us be real and real deep. God, I pray that you would show us what walls need to go down. I pray, God, you would stir in our hearts. And God, we would truly want to know you more. God, move in us. God, change us. God, help us stay true to the vision in which you've given. Show us, Father, what needs to go so that we can show the world your love through us. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.